Hello, you are listening to Second City Sermons, a ministry of Second City Church in Midtown Harrisburg. This Epiphany in Lent, we are back in the Gospel of Luke, where we see God revealed in Jesus. As is common for Luke, what we see is the kingdom coming to all, but maybe most often to the unexpected. We'll see Jesus challenge his disciples, the rich young ruler and the proud religious leader, but commend a persistent widow, insist that the children come to him, and reveal that a blind beggar can see him for who he is even better than his own disciples. Finally, we will make our way with Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd around him as he enters Jerusalem on Holy Week long ago. We'd love to meet you, and we hope you'll consider coming and joining with us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the heart of Midtown Harrisburg. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope you enjoy the sermon. God bless. Uh, As we turn our attentions to Luke 18, I'm reminded of Peter's uh, message on Tuesday night, uh, the service Jonathan just just referred to uh, for Stacy Shannon. Uh, th- this world is so incredibly beautiful. Peter went into some detail about that, talking about uh, the beauty of the sunken gardens, uh, particularly uh, when the cherry blossoms are are out and this, the cherry trees are in full bloom. And he's talked about going there with his children and laying under the trees and having the blossoms fall on you. And it's like How can we not see that the world is incredibly beautiful, but it's also incredibly broken? We live in a broken world, and we feel that in our own bodies, and we know it in our own lives and in our communities, and uh, we know it in that uh, Stacy was brutally killed uh, right before Christmas in such a beautiful place as the Sunken Garden. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem He was drawing near to Jericho. Uh, You know what that means? That means that uh, he was in a tropical oasis. Uh, You all knew Jericho was a tropical oasis, of course. It's called the City of Palms. Um, uh, It's surrounded by uh, a a very fertile area with pools of water and down below sea level. And and, uh, it was the area where the rich and famous uh, went to hang out. Uh, It reminds me uh, maybe of Palm Springs, California, something like that, because it was very dry around it. But Jericho itself was a, a wonderful place. Uh, the Hasmoneans had their winter palaces there. Herod the Great obtained Jericho from Caesar Augustus and began, uh, uh, and, and being the, the great builder that he uh, was, he built a new city uh, with a hippodrome and everything like that, a, a modern Greek city, uh, if you will, uh, there. Uh, beside the old city of Jericho, complete with a beautiful palace and sunken gardens on the south wing of his palace, uh, where he ended up going to die. Who knows, maybe he died in the sunken gardens too. I I don't know, but but he did die in Jericho. Uh, In this beautiful setting, we find a beggar who couldn't even see the beauty around him, crying out to Jesus. In our text, we find him crying out with two simple requests. 
Yeah, and let's pray before we go into his requests in our Lord's response. Blessed Lord, we do thank you for the gospel. Thank you that your living, your dying, your resurrection is recorded for us. Thank you that your salvation is presented to us, that we see it in your salvation that came to Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. We pray that you will bring your salvation here to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we see there's two simple requests. We see Jesus' compassionate response and the necessary journey uh, that Jesus and Bartimaeus were uh, going on. The two simple requests uh, there in, in Luke 18. Son of David, have mercy on me, was uh, the first thing that Bartimaeus said. This blind man in Jericho calling out for mercy uh, is recorded not just here in Luke, but in uh, Matthew and in Mark and uh, all three synoptic gospels. And there's some details that are slightly different in the three accounts. Uh, Mark identifies him as Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, probably uh, because he was, became a member of the Christian community there in Judea. Uh, Matthew says that there were two blind men. So, uh, you know, why does he say there's... But Luke only mentions one. Um, probably Bartimaeus was the uh, more outspoken of the two, or maybe the one who became more famous in the church, or whatever. We don't know. But there are uh, small differences there. Matthew and Mark say that the miracle was performed when Jesus was leaving Jericho. And Luke says that it was as he was drawing near to Jericho. Uh, well, you know, and some people make a lot of hay out of this type of thing, and they try to say, oh, you can't believe anything the Bible says. Look at these discrepancies. But uh, these are not discrepancies. There aren't any discrepancies in the Word of God as originally presented. There could be in some translations, but not, not in the Word of God delivered through the apostles and the prophets. And, uh, you know, they're easily, you know, accounted for. Uh, like I said, Bartimaeus was probably the the primary speaker, and uh, there were two Jerichos at that time. The old city, the new city, uh, it seems most likely that Jesus had gone through the old city, which was largely uninhabited at the time, and was approaching the new Jericho, the beautiful new city that Herod had built. So he was leaving and entering Jericho, uh, if you will. And uh, these are not really issues. It, it, isn't it good that the four Gospels give different eyewitness accounts outlining what was important to the author, the specific author, what they want to emphasize, that they weren't just copying each other. We have eyewitness accounts emphasizing uh, what the Holy Spirit is leading them to emphasize in their Gospel, in their account of the life of Christ. I think the real issue in this story uh, from my perspective, at least, is uh, not the apparent discrepancy, but that someone in great need was being told not to come to Jesus. Someone in great need in a covenant community. He was a Jewish man in a Jewish city, a Jewish community, probably going to the synagogue regularly with these people. And these people that knew him were telling him, stop 
calling to Jesus. That's a problem. That's, that's not a good thing. They were rebuking him. Are there any children still left in our service? Probably there's some. Some of us are younger than others. Some of us uh, are younger in the faith than others. Some of us are uh, uh, <clears throat> young. Uh, the, a question I wanted to ask the children. Do blind people find places of employment in our community? Can you be a person with disabilities and have a job in our community? Yeah, you can, right? And we, we even have laws that make it easier for handicapped people uh, to, to get employment, gainful employment. It wasn't that way in Jesus' day. There was no ADA uh, in Jericho. And uh, so the handicapped people were dependent on the mercy of others. They were telling him, don't cry out to Jesus. But Bartimaeus didn't listen to them. He cried out, all the more. He wasn't sitting at home waiting for someone to come and help him. He got up that morning. He went out to where he thought he could get as much help as possible. Uh, like I said, uh, this was a resort type community, a wealthy type community. No doubt he went out begging uh, often, but uh, it was also a thoroughfare. People coming to Jerusalem came through Jericho because they didn't normally go through Samaria. If they were coming down from uh, Decapolis and coming down uh, from Galilee, they would come th through Perea on the uh, eastern side of the Jordan. And uh, so they didn't have to be contaminated by the Samaritans. And then uh, cross the Jordan again and come up through Jericho. So he knew there were going to be people coming up to the Passover feast. It was a good place to go and seek uh, funds, try to, try, try to get people to give him financial gifts. Uh, because people, especially going up for the Passover, would be more generous than, than often, you would think. Uh, so he was there begging for money. He humbled himself begging for money. What a, what a uh, contrast with the rich, rich young ruler that uh, we just looked at uh, the other week, uh, just a few verses before. The rich ruler wasn't able to humble himself at all. And in his encounter with Jesus, did he receive anything? Well, he received the words, Lord, but the word of the Lord, and, but he walked away. He walked away sad because he couldn't humble himself. Here we have someone who was humble, who was used to begging, and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this second request, Lord, let me receive my sight. The world's beautiful, and it's broken. Things aren't the way they should be. You should be able to see the beautiful world that the Lord has created. We should be able to see it. Bartimaeus couldn't see it. You should be able to walk along the Susquehanna River. Even at night, you should be able to enjoy the sunken gardens unmolested. Cornelius Plantinga Jr. wrote, uh, Not the way it's supposed to be, a breviary uh, of sin, which is an interesting book, uh, going into all different types of sin. And uh, basically he defines sin as a culpable breaking of shalom. And uh, we know shalom, right? What is shalom? It's peace, right? Peace. And uh, 
the Jewish concept of peace was way more than what we tend to think. You know, we tend to think peace, oh, well, there's no, you know, current conflict going on, no war, no uh, strife within our family, no uh, problems at work or whatever. You know, we think peace, uh, you know, lack, lack of things like that. But, but uh, for the Jewish people, Peace was more holistic, more a sense of well-being. He, uh, Plantinger defines it, the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it is far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire among enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, natural gifts fruitfully employed, as a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Well, Bartimaeus wanted his sight restored. Now, for a sight to be restored, that implies something, right? It implies that he used to be able to see. You know, some people are born blind. And uh, in the, the scripture, we hear of someone who was born blind uh, being healed and, and uh, coming to see. But uh, Bartimaeus is looking for his sight to be restored. He probably was gainfully employed before. He was probably able to use his natural gifts in fruitful employment. And now he wasn't. There weren't any open doors for him in his current state. He wanted things the way they should be. Bartimaeus was blind, but he could see that Jesus was his only hope. He, the doctors weren't helping him. He didn't ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, do you know a good eye doctor? Now, he, he applied directly to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to help him. When he asked what was going on, so he was there begging for money, and then he hears this commotion, and he asked the people around him, the people in his community, probably synagogue members, where, what's going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And does he cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me? No. What's he cry out? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was blind, but he knew who Jesus was. You know, and you might think, well, what's the difference? Son of, you know, Jesus of Nazareth. Son of... <clears throat> Jesus of Nazareth, people called Jesus the prophet from Nazareth. And sometimes added, can anything good come from Nazareth? But uh, he was the prophet from Nazareth. Bartimaeus knew that he was the son of David, not just a prophet from Nazareth. What's, what's the son of David? The Messiah, right? Bartimaeus saw Jesus. He's not just a prophet. He's the Messiah. This is who we've been waiting for. This is the person who has kingly authority. The person who is able to uh, rule his people, able to heal his people, who rules over the forces of nature, over the forces of physical and spiritual harm, the son of David, the one we've been waiting for. He might not have understood everything 
that Jesus was about. The 12 disciples didn't understand everything Jesus was about. We read at the beginning of the text when Jesus explained what was going on on the way up to Jerusalem, they understood none of these things. But what he did understand about Jesus, he believed and he called out. Maybe you don't understand everything about Christianity and you don't understand how everything worked, you know, and how how Jesus is the the son of God and born of a virgin and and how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all one. Maybe you can't understand all these things. You don't have to understand all these things. You need to believe what you do understand and call out to the Lord uh, for help uh, where you are. Believe in him, whatever understanding he's giving you of himself. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let me recover my sight. We need recovery. You and I need recovery. What have you lost? You know, we we lose a lot of things. I lose an amazing number of things and uh, pray a lot to uh, recover things. And and often uh, I don't find anything until I take a second and pray about it. And then maybe sometimes I find it, sometimes I don't. But uh, uh, it pays to pray about everything. Uh, Maybe you have lost your health. Maybe there's a a health issue that you didn't see coming. And and it's like... What's going on? Why is this happening to me? Maybe it's a job situation uh, where things are not the way they were or the way you thought they were going to be or the way they should be. Maybe it's more relational in your family. Maybe there's broken relationship with parents or with children or siblings or maybe it's your friends. There are so many ways that we experience loss the way things were more the way they should be and now they're less the way they should be lord jesus i want to recover i want to recover the blind man cried out to jesus a simple request jesus loves simple requests he loves honesty he loves us to come to him the way we are the way we're feeling what we're experiencing and cry to him for help. We see Jesus' compassionate response. And uh, you know, what's his first response? The first response was, all the people were saying, be quiet, stop bugging Jesus. And uh, Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring him to me. What compassion. Bring this man to me. You know, uh, Bartimaeus uh, was a beggar. What do beggars do? Beggars beg, right? And so while he might have been their friend after a fashion or their their, uh, uh, equal in many different ways in the past, now he's someone who is always asking for help. And if you live in a community where there are beggars, sometimes you can get tired of hearing people ask for help. You know, and you think, uh, when he was crying out to Jesus there, this isn't just anyone crying out to Jesus. This is someone that they're always used to hearing asking for help. 
And now he's asking Jesus for help. And you, can, you might excuse them a little bit for thinking, seriously, are you going to ask Jesus for money? Be quiet. We're so tired of you asking for help, Bartimaeus. Please be quiet. Compassion fatigue, maybe. Praise God, Jesus doesn't have compassion fatigue. The compassion of the Lord is amazing. Bring him to me. Mark tells us that uh, they called the blind man uh, to the blind man when, when Jesus said, bring him to me. Take heart, get up. He's calling for you. You know, maybe there was uh, some change of heart in the people around Bartimaeus and, and the other beggar. They, they had been discouraging him, and now they're saying, okay, get up. Go to him. He's calling for you. He wants you. You know, as I was thinking through this and thinking about uh, Stacy's memorial service and what Peter and we were able to do Tuesday night, you know, just think about it all. It, it made me think, you know, in a sense, the people around Bartimaeus were functioning as Jericho. They were Jericho was trying to prevent Bartimaeus and his partner from coming to Jesus. In a real sense, Harrisburg worked against Stacy Shannon. In a real sense, Harrisburg did not provide a safe place for her. And I know there's a lot of complications and choices that she made and what she was doing and things like that, but she should have been safe in Harrisburg, and she wasn't. You know what I find beautiful about Tuesday night service? You and I, as many of us that were able to be here and participate, were functioning as Harrisburg. We were doing something that Harrisburg needed to do. We needed to provide a way for her family to mourn. You know, we weren't in any official capacity. You know, the mayor didn't tell us to do this. But her daughter asked Peter if he would do that. And we had the privilege of representing Harrisburg. But more than that, representing Jesus Christ. The one who comes compassion for those who mourn. For those who have suffered great loss. For those who want to be restored. Some of us live in this city. Some of us come into this city. Do we come here? Do we live here uh, to help the blind, to care for the beggars, to be a community that brings healing and hope in the name of Jesus? I've seen it here. Shelly and I have seen it here. That's one thing we love about uh, Second City. And one thing that draws us to keep coming back here is uh, the way you have a heart for the poor and the needy in this city. I'm thinking of the Bridge of Hope and, you know, other things. And, and praise God. May the Lord help us go forward together in this, this. Jesus commanded him, bring him to me. And he commanded something else. What else did Jesus command? Receive your sight. He said, I want to recover my sight. He said, recover your sight. The exact words that Bartimaeus used. He said, let it be done. Recover your sight. Bartimaeus had come to Jesus because Jesus called him. But Jesus had come to Bartimaeus first. He had come to Bartimaeus. You know, he was coming down 
from Galilee and uh, going up to Jerusalem. In an earlier trip, uh, uh, many of you know the Gospels, you know, in an earlier trip when he was going to Jerusalem, it said he was going to Jerusalem and he had to go through Samaria, right? It's like, now wait a second, no Jew had to go through Samaria. Most of them always went through Perea and came up through Jericho. But he had to go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? You've probably heard sermons on this, right? <laughs> Some of you have. He had to go through Samaria to meet that woman at the well, that Samaritan woman at the well who had so many husbands and the man that she was living with now wasn't her husband and who needed recovery, who needed salvation. She needed the Savior. She needed Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus not go through Samaria this time? You know, I would say he had appointments in Jericho. He had appointments in Perea probably too. But we know he had appointments in Jericho. He had an appointment with Zacchaeus who was up in the sycamore tree. Peter's going to talk about next week. And he had a, an appointment with the blind man who was begging There can be significant recovery in this life. Jesus came to bring recovery to Bartimaeus. What does recovery look like? You know, it doesn't always look like going back to the way things were. Uh, Phyllis Wheatley uh, was born in Africa in 1753. At the age of seven, she was kidnapped and sold into slavery. Twelve years later, uh, Phyllis Wheatley became the first black American poet to publish a book. This is back in the 1700s. She created a sensation on both sides of the Atlantic. The London Chronicle declared that she was perhaps one of the greatest instances of pure, unassisted genius that the world ever produced. I put uh, part of, your, part of uh, her... Uh, Poem, Thoughts on the Works of Providence, in the uh, meditation section of the bulletin. Uh, that poem goes on. I couldn't put enough of it in it. But uh, in any event, uh, in her captivity, Phyllis was brought to Christ. What did recovery look like for Phyllis? Not going back to Africa, not going back to the old country, not being reunited with her family. For many of us... Uh, Recovery is not going to be going back to the way things were. Recovery is going to be something better that the Lord has for us. Her poem goes on. The power, the same that forms the ray of light that called creation from eternal night. Let there be light, he said, from his profound. Old chaos heard and trembled at the sound. Swift as the word, inspired by power divine. Behold, the light around its maker shine. Behold, the light shining around its maker. Recover your sight. Think about this. All right, young people. You think about this. Bartimaeus said he wanted to recover his sight. Jesus said, recover your sight. What was the first thing Bartimaeus saw? The face of his Savior. The creator of light. Light was created 
so Bartimaeus could see Jesus. Light was created so that you and I can see Jesus, so that you and I can live and look to Jesus. He is the creator and the purpose of light. Two simple requests, compassionate responses, and necessary journey. There's a necessary journey happening here. We didn't miss it. We saw it at the beginning of our text. For Jesus, and I would say for Bartimaeus as well, for Jesus, he was going up to Jerusalem. Uh, this journey, uh, Luke started talking about this journey back in chapter 9. It's been going on since chapter 9. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face resolutely to go to Jerusalem. He had to go to Jerusalem. Why do he have to go to Jerusalem? He had to go to Jerusalem so that everything written about him in the prophets could be fulfilled. Jesus knew where this journey was going. He would be handed over to the Gentiles. He would be mocked and shamefully treated. This is a detail uh, clearly articulated only in Luke. Luke is emphasizing the shame. Jesus is emphasizing the shame when he's telling the 12 disciples. The terms used in the Old Testament and other Jewish literature to describe the scoffer who, uh, who works unrighteously and proudly against the righteous. These people who are unrighteous scoffing the righteous. Jesus Christ. They will spit on Jesus. That's an onomatopoeia. Spit. I think that's an onomatopoeia in English too. But in, uh, in the, the Greek it was emtuyo. Emtuyo. They were spit on him. He would be flogged and killed. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, uh, Shelley went to visit uh, three of our daughters in Tennessee. We have three daughters living in Tennessee. We have seven children, I didn't tell you. Uh, in all of our wanderings, uh, we raised seven children along the way. The Lord uh, has blessed us greatly. And uh, Shelly went to visit uh, our three daughters. And uh, I went to church with my brother, Dane. We have, I have six siblings. Shelly has Four siblings, and most of them are in this area, and I have never attended most of the churches that, that uh, my siblings attend. Uh, we grew up when I was young at uh, Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church here in Middletown, uh, Pennsylvania. But uh, my brother uh, attends an evangelical congregational church in Marietta. And a goal I have is to attend church with each one of my siblings so I know where they're worshiping. I mean, it's a blessing to, to be able to do that. And I was able to go to his Sunday school class. He's teaching a, a Sunday school, an adult Sunday school class there. And uh, in his class, uh, one of the women brought up uh, the fact that the cross uh, that we use uh, as you know, a symbol of Christianity to remind us of Christ and his death. She, was, she brought up how it was a symbol of death at the time of Christ. And that, you know, we look at it as something beautiful, but back then they didn't look at it as something beautiful. And that's a good point. You've probably heard that before. That's not a, a brand new idea or anything. But uh, that morning I'd seen a uh, car with a license plate or bumper sticker or something that had a skull and crossbones on it. And... Uh, so when she said that, it made me think, yeah, you know, 
if Christianity was starting right now, if Jesus was uh, had just been uh, executed at this time, maybe Christianity's symbol would have been the skull and the crossbones. And it's like, wow, that's pretty weird. And it's like, but that was more of the feeling that the cross would have brought to people uh, back in the time when Christ was walking among us. <sighs> Jesus was heading to Jerusalem. And that was the end of the road for Jesus, right? No, no, that was not. He, and he says, and also, you know, he must be killed and resurrected. Resurrection. He was heading for resurrection. You know, we're heading into uh, Ash Wednesday and, and, and this whole season, but we're heading to Easter. There's much more of this ahead. For Bartimaeus, uh, uh, he didn't understand all these things, but the Lord healed him. And what did he do? He got up and he followed Jesus. He had a necessary journey too. He had to follow. He was compelled to follow this person. He was compelled to follow this person who restored his sight. And that's not all he did. You know, the, the Greek word, so is it so, I didn't write it down, but so uh, it so, it's translated uh, both uh, healed and saved. So different translations sometimes say healed and sometimes they say saved. The King James in this passage says when Jesus uh, said, uh, recover your sight, your faith has saved you. The King James translates it. And that's not wrong. Uh, it, the word means both. And uh, is this the point when, when uh, Bartimaeus came to be born again. You know, we don't know exactly how the spirit was moving and everything, but like we said, he probably became a member or maybe even a leader in the church. Bartimaeus had a real choice. He could have stayed home that morning, but he was led to get up and to go out and to beg. And he, he could have decided, no, I don't want to recover I want to go on with the life that I've become accustomed to. I think sadly some of us might not really want to recover. You know, at the beginning I was like assuming, wow, we all need to recover. We all want to recover. But some of us might not want to recover. We become pretty, com pretty comfortable in some dysfunction sometimes. And cry out to the Lord, Lord, give me a desire to recover. Give me a desire. C.S. Lewis in The Great Divorce, uh, and some of us are reading that now, and uh, Peter mentioned it uh, the other week. Uh, he finds himself in the valley of the shadow of life uh, on the way into heaven. Uh, and his teacher, George MacDonald, uh, uh, called it that, the valley of the shadow of life. And uh, they're discussing the choice that the souls who are on this bus ride from hell up to heaven uh, are making. What are they choosing and why? Uh, George MacDonald said, Milton was right. The choice of every lost soul can be expressed in the words, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. There's always something they insist on keeping, even at the price of misery. Brothers and sisters, is there something that you insist on keeping, even at the price of misery? 
Lord Jesus has delight for you, restoration for you, health for you, healing for you, something better than anything in the past for you. But you've got to be willing to let go of the misery. Let go of the thing you're holding on to. We read in Isaiah, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So I mentioned uh, Shelley and I both grew up in the Harrisburg area. I was born in Harrisburg, Harrisburg Hospital. Shelley was born in Hershey. Uh, we graduated from the same class. We were in the same homeroom in high school, in Hershey High School. No, we were not high school sweethearts. That's a longer story. But, but uh, like many of you, I never knew a time when I didn't trust in Jesus Christ. I grew up in the church. Shelley didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord until she was a student at Millersville uh, College. She had uh, Christian friends who were praying for her. A friend brought her to uh, the Evangelical Free Church in Hershey. She heard the gospel. She believed in the Lord. She went back to college and she knew exactly who to tell. She knew who the Christians were. And she joined herself with them and, and she had good Christian friends that helped her grow in the faith. Chris, Christian students who befriended her when she was blind. There's recovery in the community of faith. May we be a community that helps people recover, helps people come to Christ. There's not, you know, is, is, is there... Perfect recovery, all the time, on demand. It's not that way, but there is significant recovery in this life and full recovery in the resurrection. Jesus wasn't on his way just to the cross. Remember, he was on his way to resurrection. Brothers and sisters, there's recovery for you and hope for you and hope even beyond this life. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, we thank you for your great compassion that you love to hear our simple requests. And sometimes we think we don't know what to say and we don't even know how to pray and we don't know what to ask for, but I pray that you will move in us, that we will come to you as we are and that we will ask what we need, and that you will answer beyond what we can even imagine, uh, as you did for Martimaeus and his companion. And pray that you will be working life and hope and many good things in Second City and in Harrisburg through your presence uh, here with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to Second City Sermons Podcast. We hope this sermon has encouraged you to worship God and to celebrate the gospel of Jesus. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and joining us in person each Sunday at 10 a.m. You can find us online at secondcitychurch.org and on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.
Thanks again for listening. God bless.